Sandy, 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 Sandy. We have a legend in the house. No, we have a, we have multiple legends in the house. Multiple legends in the meal. house. This is like cutting it like. Tesla is the cutting edge of battery research. This is the cutting edge of battery YouTubers. Like one step, like Woo! like this is like I don't know. I'm I'm super hyped on this panel to just hear about it because I feel like it's. If you guys good. watched Fox News recently, Sandy and I may or may not have been dancing together. So we might do that at the end of the. We'll see how he feels. He's back there doing this. All right, Gally, let's introduce our next panel. Okay, so for our next panel, uh, Giga Texas Extreme Scale Innovation. Um, we have three epic speakers. First, Sandy Monroe, needs no introduction. Uh, welcome. Uh, Sandy! legend, Woo! Mr. Sandy Monroe! And then we got uh, Farzad as well, YouTuber, ex-Tesla employee, has joined us now. Uh, Jordan, the limiting factor. Uh, best mustache in the Tesla community by far. Uh, and just incredible battery videos. So this is gonna be like a super, super treat. I'm here with the two most epic mustaches in the Tesla community. And apparently I didn't get the memo about the cowboy hat, so thank you, anyway. So one of the things I really wanna start off with is all three of us had the unique pleasure at being at the factory yesterday. So maybe we'll start with uh, Sandy and then Jordan, kind of give your take here and then we'll just have a free-flowing conversation. What was the thing that really stuck out to you the most uh, at first sight when you either saw the building or walked in? What was the thing that really stuck out to you, Sandy? Okay, walking up to the building absolutely was stunning. Um, I found out that it's 11 million square feet for that factory. That makes it either the biggest or next to the biggest uh, factory uh, in North America. Um, that's pretty amazing all by itself. But walking through, um, I was interested in a few things that, that I really thought would be uh, wonderful to look at. One was the battery. I wanted to see how that was manufactured. They did a stunning good job there. Um, and I wanted to see how this system worked on two floors. Then I found out it was four floors. They cheat. So anyways, um, uh, that's probably for me, that was what I was looking for the most. And what I wanted to do was see the, uh, the Hydra uh, presses, the 6,000 ton presses. So they, that was where I, I really wanted to be. Yeah. Jordan, how about you? All right, so um, I was struck by how beautiful it was. There's somebody from Tesla on the bus beside me, and it was just, I've worked in factories before, and you have this ugly corrugated surface, but this thing, it just looked like a slab of rock that kind of uh, lifted out of the ground, and then the, like the windows across the front, and generally, like when, I've, when I worked in a factory, it was this massive building, and you have a little tiny entrance in the front where it's like security and things like that, whereas the front of this building was like there's this massive broad stairway in the front. It just seemed really open and um, proportional rather than kind of awkward. Um, but yeah, I was interested in the same things as Sandy, as you know from the, the videos that I've made, um, the gigapresses and what they're doing with batteries, which we can get more into that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, for me, the thing that really stuck out to me was the incredible diversity of the parking lot. You had humongous pickup trucks co-mingled with sedans and people from all backgrounds, all under one roof, celebrating technology and manufacturing in America with an immigrant leader, okay? 
if that isn't the American dream, what is, right? And that's, that really stuck out to me. But uh, let's switch gears to the technical stuff, because I know this is probably what you guys are here for. So, um, so the batteries, right? So Jordan, so when you looked at the sort of the battery, uh, you know, when we walked through that thing together and we were talking to the people, uh, was there anything surprising to you? Did you find anything that was out of the ordinary or was this something that caught your eye that you really wanted to sort of highlight? Well, there's a, quite a few things that I've been talking about for a while, expectations I had that they would do, and there's, you know, there's naysayers, people who doubt they're going to be able to do X or Y, but uh, the conversations I had with the people there and what I saw on display confirms that they're doing exactly what they said they were going to do, and even a little bit more, uh, because you know, we know the benefits of the structural battery, the 4680 battery cell, having uh, the cell production and vehicle manufacturing in the same location, but I was also interested in their ability to increase the safety of those nickel battery packs, and they've, they've also been able to do that. So uh, that's my, you know, hot take. Well, um, my, big <laughs> yeah. uh, my biggest takeaway was um, I wanted to know how um, how efficient or effective they could be in the manufacturing of the cells into the battery pack and into the car. And to me, this was just, uh, oh, I'm not allowed to swear. It was really, really nice. Do it. Yeah, no. No, I'm not. Corey will have my... Anyways, uh, the, the thing that you couldn't see was to get to the fourth floor. The fourth floor is where they make the cells, and they make them, in essence... From, uh, from what I can gather. They make them from the, the weave, the, um, they, they roll them, they add the electrolyte, they pop it into the cell casings, pop the top on and whatnot, and after they're all done, they sort them, and then they drop them through the floor into the third floor where they're packed into the, uh, into the, uh, the battery packs. Then the battery packs get their lid and then they go into a high bay warehouse. And the high bay warehouse is there so that you can cure the batteries, but also put them into skew so that when it's time to build the uh, car, the high bay warehouse uh, robots will go and pick up the battery pack that they need, bring it out, drop it down through the floor, and where does it go? Straight down to where it needs to be on the assembly line on the second floor. I mean, ah. Uh, uh. <laughs> It just, it just doesn't get any better. And then, they put the, and then they put the seats on top of the battery pack to shove them in a car. And, and man alive, you cannot believe how many times I've heard people say, well, Sandy, you're a nice guy, but you're really full of shit. Or, okay, I'm, I'm telling you. Going through there was the, maybe uh, almost orga orgasmic, I guess it'd be. Yeah, almost. Sandy. Yeah, that's, paint a picture, so paint a picture for us, like, we know, we know this is obviously amazing technical prowess, right, but it, how hard is this? Is this that, is nobody, is it just a thing that people are scared to do this because, you know, they don't fully understand the problem, or is it actually just a really, really, really difficult problem that only uh, few people can solve? Like, how, how do you view the challenge of doing something like you just described? The only way that they can make things happen at Tesla 
um, is because they have the leadership of Elon Musk, and that's boiled right down to it, right there. There's a ton of engineers that can come up with all these great ideas. There's tens of millions of engineers around the world that could come up and do these types of things. They're always stymied by poor leadership, always. How did you view... How Vertical integration, that's right. Yeah. Uh, how did you, uh, Jordan, how did you view that culture aspect from what you saw? Because, you know, what, having worked there for four years, I find culture to be one of the most important facets of, of why Tesla is so powerful. You know, like Sandy just said, just the people aspect of it is, is humongous. Did you see that intertwined when you were walking through the different lines and, and sort of the, ba the battery manufacturing line? Was there anything that sort of attached you to that culture aspect as well, where it's that leadership, it's the people skills that's really creating this, or really anything that really jumped out to you within that respect? Well, um, I, I guess you just look at the factory and it, it, uh, it, that's manifest. That's the, uh, uh, the, the factory itself is proof of what they're able to do and the, the speed that they're uh, implementing and improving things. Um, I'll just give it a, a specific example. Yeah, uh, for instance, the Gigapress machines, Idra designed those machines to pump out like a thousand castings a day. And Elon said a few months ago that they're going to be able to do like double that. Well, how do you double the production speed beyond what the original manufacturer indicated? Well, they're pushing those machines and uh, the limiting factor for the speed that you can crank through those castings is the rate that you can cool them as they're coming out. Mm. So. Uh, what they're doing, what I could see in the factory, it looked like to me, is they're implementing a new cooling system that will be able to cool those right. twice as fast and increase the throughput. So as he said, that's, you know, Tesla's goal is to uh, have a factory that's two, three, four times faster than anybody else's. Yeah. What's interesting there is that there's clearly a lot of engineering that goes into the product. Mm -hmm. uh, Sandy, so when you think about what Jordan just described as far as having a, a machine that's able to do this so quickly, and that obviously also requires a lot of engineering. Can you paint us a picture of what sort of that engineering effort to design the product and engineering effort to design the machine? Okay, like how, how does that look like from Tesla's perspective? Do you think that they're spending just as much time designing the machines as they are the product? Is one getting more attention than the other? Uh, did you see enough to kind of gauge uh, sort of how much time they're spending on each, each one of these things? I'm, I'm curious to hear. Well, actually I got lucky because um, I got a chance to talk to some guys that had bid on trying to put up the factory. They wanted to get the contract for construction. And I also got a chance to talk to a couple of the guys that um, that had uh, worked on either the dies or the molds or maybe some of the machine tools. And all of them said the same thing. Um, when they were coming up with whatever they would normally come up with a customer, the comments that they got back from Tesla was, well, yeah, but can you make it any faster? Can you make it any better? There was no talk about, can you make it cheaper? But that's kind of like what you're pushed at when you're in a, an automotive company. They want the low buck guy to get the job. They want, they want to try and cut the cost in the engineering development cycle. These are things that basically come back to haunt you later on. So in talking to the one guy who, uh, who told me that they had bid on this project, but, but they failed because they couldn't guarantee 50% of their people would be on the program 
to, for construction. They couldn't guarantee the number of people that would be there all the time. And so consequently, they got, they got knocked. As a rule, purchasing in a big company will say, well, how, how much would it cost if we stretch this out? Can we, can we get a cheaper price if we stretch it out? Whereas Tesla is going after what's really important. Money means nothing. Now, I'm sure that there's a few folks out there that says that's not true, but I'm telling you what, at the end of the day, time is everything, speed is everything, and money's just a way to buy time. That's all there is to it. I want, to do a, I want to do a quick thought exercise with the both of you, okay? Imagine that Elon ramps up Giga Texas to its fullest potential and then says, you know what, Mary Barra, I feel very generous today, here's a gift. I'm gonna give you the factory, okay? But I get to keep the people, okay? But here's all the technology. And then fast forward a year into the future. Would GM be able to have the same speed of Tesla or not? <laughs> it put me in hot water here. <laughs> I'd say definitely no. Just, uh, and it comes down to the culture thing, which you and I have discussed quite a bit, how important the culture of Tesla is. Everything that we see that Tesla does is an outgrowth of that culture and the way that they think about things. The willingness to take chances, to make mistakes, and then improve upon it. It's just... Um, I have a passionate dislike for bureaucracy, and it seems like they're able to... Uh, keep that to a minimum and focus on actually delivering things for people and, you know, giving the world results. Yeah. That was a good answer. Thank you. <laughs> Perfect. Next question. <laughs> that was very, like, politically well said. Are you a politician, by any chance? I have to be careful when I'm talking about... Uh, uh, I try to be careful with what I'm talking about. You don't want to go on Twitter with the wrong stuff is what you're telling well, me. Well, I, I'm... Uh, I, tr <laughs> I try not to make enemies. Like, the more people I can talk to and engage with, the better. There's plenty of people out there doing... Um, having those difficult conversations and calling people out on things. So I try to provide a bit of balance there. Yeah. That's awesome, yeah. yeah. By the way, four seconds... I, all three of us up here have had a chance to speak to many of you. Can I just say how amazing this community is? You guys are incredible, honestly. Wow. The amount of love you guys shower, I mean, it's, it's incredible. It's incredible. Uh, I want to shift gears to Cybertruck a little bit, okay? Um, how easy do you think, or how difficult, Sandy, do you think it's going to be for uh, Tesla to hit next year's target of, of a launch for Cybertruck based on what you, what you saw? You know, do you think that that's achievable? And then maybe give a little bit of insight into the, the, the difficulty of having such a brand new platform um, and any potential cost savings associated to it as well. Because I would love to really dig very deep into that part of the business because that's obviously next year's big product. Um, yeah, any, any thoughts you can give there uh, would be amazing. Then we'll make it into a conversation. Yeah, okay, so what I saw when I was looking at final assembly, and that's where you'd really try to um, ramp everything up and whatnot. Uh, they use AGVs, it's uh, automatic guided vehicles. They're little cars that drive around uh, that they know where they're going, um, they know where they're supposed to stop, 
they, uh, they can adjust what we call the pickup points, little bow ties that are on the, uh, on the vehicle that'll allow you to either, you, either build a, a Model Y or a Cybertruck. Just, they just expand a little bit, and then they can, they can pick up uh, the, the points that'll be on the chassis and whatnot. So I don't think they're gonna have a whole lot of trouble because I can make that type of system, uh, it, first off, it's non-synchronous system, so one track can go a little faster than another, and sometimes if I need to run off parallel to the main track, I can do that. I can pull the car off, I can do whatever I need to do, whether it's a Cybertruck or a Y, and then I can integrate it back into the system. So that gives you a tremendous advantage. Not only that, uh, non-synchronous systems aren't dependent on a toveyor or a chain or a skillet. If the skillet dies, if an, if an electric motor dies in a skillet, okay, guess what? Uh, you're not going anywhere. If a toveyor, if the main drive dies, everything stops and you send everybody home. With AGVs, if you have one AGV that is giving you problems or if there's a, a build issue on one of, the, uh, one of the vehicles, it's easy, you just pull it off and away you go. Everything keeps going. So it's highly effective, highly efficient. And when you're looking at something that's diverse, or I mean really diverse, like the difference between a Model Y and the Cybertruck, this is the ideal uh, way, to, way to put it together. And I'm sure that there's gonna be plenty of little surprises that none of us uh, are ever gonna be able to uh, uh, guess at right now, but I'm sure that they've, uh, they've been uh, sorted out by the, uh, by the engineering staff at Tesla. I'm positive that there, this is gonna be no big deal um, as far as I'm concerned, ramping up and getting everything in, okay. so. Okay, and then from a cost perspective, and this is also pointed at you, Jordan, because obviously the batteries are gonna be involved here. That $40,000 price target that they initially came out with feels like, what, two years ago? I don't even remember when they did the Cybertruck reveal. Um, do you see this as being a truly profitable car for Tesla? Um, just based on that price target, or do you think that there's gonna to have to be some sort of changes made to that because of inflation and all the other cost of materials? Or is it a nonsensical question because it's already have, does it already have a lot of cost savings built in because of how they're approaching the vehicle? There's cost savings as far as what I can tell from what I've been able to see. There's cost savings built right into the car. It's, a, it's, an, easier, it's an easier build. I mean, it's not like uh, uh, stamp panels all over the place and there's no painting for the most part, and uh, it's, it's easy peasy. So that part is gonna bring the price down. Now what's gonna bring the price up, and I, everybody knows I, I got a Rivian, my lovely wife's Rivian. Anyways, uh, we know that uh, that car uh, probably is, um, is kind of expensive now, more expensive now that they've uh, sold a few uh, than, uh, than what it, it, it's, it's selling for less than it should. And I believe that Tesla's gonna to have to do the same thing on a Cybertruck. There's too many uh, minerals and, um, and additives like palladium uh, that, uh, that we just can't get our hands on right now. There are too many shortages because China is now ramping up uh, BYD. Uh, somebody just told me a little bit ago that BYD is, um, has made an announcement they'll never make another hybrid even. So these, these kind of critical factors are gonna make it so that the price of things that we need that we don't manufacture here, uh, these things are going to be uh, these things are going to be a, a little bit of an issue. So I can I I have five of these things on order and I'm cheerfully awaiting the um, 
you know, uh, the increase in price. I'll take it. I don't care. Yeah. From a cost perspective, Jordan, do you have any, any sort of opinions from what you saw and sort of where, the, where it's going as far as the Cybertruck goes? Well, I look at how insane their demand is for that truck. And it's like, well, there's the cost, it produ the cost to produce the truck, but then there's what they can charge for it. Because there's no sense in Tesla selling these vehicles and then people turn around and sell them for more. So they, you know, that's why we're seeing prices increase, increases in the Model 3 and the Model Y. So um, they have what, like 3 million pre-orders? <laughs> Something like that that they have to work through? And uh, like, Sandy, how, what do you think the production rate might be for like uh, initial production rate for uh, Giga Texas for a Cybertruck? Uh, if, it, if I was in charge, they're going to they're gonna start pumping those out mid next year, right? Mm -hmm. I'm hoping that uh, 2023 they'll be putting out at least uh, 60,000 and then 120,000, 150,000 should be easy to, sit, easy to hit after that. And I kind of like, I don't know if you noticed, but there's a bunch of roped off areas in there that don't seem to have anything. Guess what? That's, uh, that's additive manufacturing space. So um, all, again, what does it take to get an HEV line bigger? Oh, I got to cut a couple of holes in it, got to change my programs, put a couple more um, um, uh, their targets basically on the floor so that the AGVs know, to, know where to go. Um, I, uh, like I said, 11 million square feet, that's a lot of square foots. <laughs> I, uh, I, I can guarantee you that they'll be able to uh, make that thing hum. And like I said, there was the other thing too, there's big gaps between those, uh, between those AGV lines, but they, they look like they're big enough that I could take and drop a second or a third line in between every other one and without even, I mean, all you gotta do is make a saw cut in the floor and you're done. It's easy, easy to do that. So I'm, I'm thinking that eventually that plan will be cranking a half a million cars, nah, actually more than that, six, <laughs> 650, 700,000, yeah. Out of I, one facility. Out of one facility. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, so that's a good point. Like when we were walking through the factory, I don't know how many people went through there, but there's a huge amount of space, just open space in that factory. You look at those gigacasting machines and they're the size of a freaking house and they're dwarfed by the production hall that they're in. And then there's just entire areas that there's just nothing there. So that's just all room for expansion. So... No, that would be all of them. If it was 750,000 Cybertrucks, uh, you'd need another 700,000 uh, probably for Model Y. So, so uh, that's, uh, that's a 1.4 million factory, or 1.5 million. That's, uh, that's a big, big deal. But you know what? I only know what I saw. I did, uh, but what I didn't see is what I really wanted to see. They didn't give me the back alley tour here. I got the wide aisle tour. So, uh, but I, I don't know what the total capacity of that plant could be, but I know one thing for sure. <clears throat> I, I've never been in 11 million square foot factory before, so. But you know, there's one thing that we, we have to touch on as well. And it's not how much are they gonna be able to push out there, it's how effectively and efficiently are they gonna be able to do it. I don't know if you're aware of it, but all the seats in Tesla cars, any car, all the front seats are exactly the same. Economy of scale makes those seats really inexpensive. And then if you look at the inverters, 
the things that make the uh, electric motors work. They all say Model 3 on them. It doesn't matter what inverter you pull out, they all say Model 3. All of the different inverters for those, uh, for those electric motors are all pretty much the same. They might have a chip difference here or there, but they're all pretty much the same. And then you look at all the connectors and all the other things that you need to put a car together, and they're all, almost all of them, are identical. The heating and cooling system, the, uh, the octo-valve system, all exactly the same. That's where you make a tremendous amount of extra money. Yeah. And what's pretty amazing about that too, and I saw this internally, so there's these things called supersessions, which are basically the, um, you think about a part and it gets some sort of revision, so you have the A part, the B part, the C part, the D part, it's the same, it's the same overall structure, but it has been improved, you know, so like, that's another factor as well, so they're not just like sharing these parts between the platforms, they're also improving those parts on top of that, you know, so the shared platform still getting improved. Along those lines, um, do you see a lot of interchangeability between the Model Y and Cybertruck, say the platforms, becoming uh, a, a thing that actually happens? And do you foresee the Cybertruck platform becoming the primary platform for Tesla to base all their products on? How, how do you think about that? I think that the Cybertruck will start selling more, and they'll probably more of the more of the direction will be toward the Cybertruck than the Model Y. And I think that the Model Three will be eaten alive. I think that eventually you're going to see Fremont just making Model Ys, and uh, and maybe this plant just making uh, uh, just making Cybertrucks. So the gentleman in the front that was saying, "Could you make 700,000 Cybertrucks there?" Yeah, as long as you don't make anything else, for sure I can make that happen. Uh, but uh, it, it might it might be uh, the cannibalization of the Model Three that would make that happen. Got it, got it. And then Jordan, so along those lines too, the 4680. How, like, give us the lifetime of this battery. Like, do you see this thing actually being uh, the format and, and all the different things that go along with that battery? Do you foresee this being a, a three-year format? Do you foresee this being a 10-year format? This is also for you, Sandy, after, after Jordan as well. Is this a 20-year format? Like, how, how profound is this, is this format that they're, that they're building for the Model Y? and the Cybertruck and everything else. I'm curious to hear. Tesla's very long-sighted, so I don't think they would have put all this research and optimizing that battery cell with the tabless electrode unless they planned it to be something that's permanent and usable for several different types of chemistry. So, you know, they may be able to use, a, like, they may develop a specific form factor for LFP, but if they already put this research into this type of production line and you can get the uh, range that you need out of the 4680, then it would make sense to use the 4680. Now they can use other form factors in the future, but this one is, yeah. Uh, as we've seen with their choices in battery technology in the past, they tend to carry forward. Like the 18650 used in the Model S, uh, people thought that was sort of a defunct battery cell, but you know, you have battery cell lines producing batteries, yeah, use them, take advantage of them. Don't shut the line down. Pretty much a money printer. Um, uh, continue to take advantage of that form factor rather than investing all new research time and money into something else. Uh, good, well enough is good enough. What do you think, Sandy? I think it also is going to have a long life. Um, but by the same token, we watched uh, we watched the octo valve get switched for the. Um, or sorry, we watched the. Um, uh, what did you call it? Uh, the um, 
Sorry, super bottle. Thank God you're here. Anyway, the super bottle. We, we watched a super bottle. You know, we thought that was brilliant and whatnot. And then a year and a half later, they've got uh, the octo valve system, which, I mean, uh, it's totally better than, than the... And then even with the uh, 4680, uh, some, some guys in Toronto, uh, a, a little company called Spring Power comes up with a new chemistry. Elon Musk uh, buys their stocks for a dollar and, uh, and welcomes, them, <laughs> welcomes them home. And the next thing you know, we've got the 4680 looking like it's the, the battery of the future and probably will be for a long, long time. As far as LFP, the uh, lithium, uh, sorry, uh, iron batteries, um, those batteries, um, they are good for energy, but not power. And most people buy, um, most of the people in uh, Tesla world, they're interested in, uh, they're interested in that jolt. You, you, you push on the accelerator and, um, and you think you're in an F-18. That's, that's kind of like what, what, what everybody wants. So you, can't, you can have energy and you can have power or you can just have energy and that's what LFP gives you. Gives you, you know, long range and, um, and as long as you want to be at 55 miles an hour, that's good. And if they're going to do like this new uh, $25,000 uh, vehicle, uh, LFP is the only way you can make that happen. So I think there's plenty more factories that are going to be popping up here. Um, yeah. No, just that um, I could only echo what he said, and that's the LFP is great for extreme scaling and for things that are uh, shorter range. So I think they're going to lean heavily on that, especially for energy storage. But in terms of form factor, eight, uh, the 4680 is yeah, okay. optimized. So the thing that comes to mind when you guys are talking about this is that it sounds like Tesla is going to become far and away the largest battery manufacturer in the world at some point, right? Is that a fair statement or no? There's a lot of guys making a lot of batteries, but I think if we're looking at automotive batteries, then yes, I think that's going to be, uh, I think that's going to be a, f a fair statement. I think that's going to be a truthful statement, yeah. Okay. It, could you see uh, a situation where, so I, I'm going to make this assumption and you guys correct me if I'm wrong. So if that's the case and Tesla is able to achieve the scale needed to become the largest manufacturer in the world, my assumption is that they'll always also have the lowest cost battery and likely to have the best technology. At what point does the board at GM and Ford say, you guys have to start buying from Tesla because everyone else can't keep up? Do you see that as an actual scenario? Because I'm just trying to extrapolate this out into the future. You know, having, having seen how executives think and everything like that at, at previous places I worked, at some point cost becomes the, the answer for these things, right? It's like, well, if Tesla's making th that many batteries and say they have a surplus and they are the largest one and they have the best cost, we have to start buying from Tesla. Is that a true statement or am I not thinking about this correctly? Um, I can tell you that um, some of the automotives that I, I know, <laughs> some of them in Detroit, um, would rather die, literally, wow. than, um, than talk to Tesla. No. I'd, I'm not mentioning any names here. Everybody quotes Sandy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <clears throat> but I think there's others. Um, so um, I'm, it's no, no, uh, no secret, I'm very bullish on Ford being one of the, maybe the only company to, to actually succeed. Um, the Lightning is a really good truck. Okay, so they, they're, they're probably going to succeed, but they're going to suffer. 
I mean, getting rid of engine plants, transmission plants, getting rid of the, the ice people um, is going to be very difficult. The ice influence is going, to be, uh, is going to be very, very difficult for them. Um, and I believe that maybe, uh, maybe, um, v, uh, not, well, VW, if Dietz survives, he might, they might, they'll be a shell of their former self, but, but they might make it, and, um, and uh, BMW. Uh, BMW is nimble enough that they can do almost anything they, will, they want. So, yeah. <laughs> so anyway, that's, that's the that. only ones I got. And thank you, sir. <laughs> How the hecklers all got in the front? <laughs> that guy, I want the Peanut guy gallery. that saved me on the, uh, on the uh, what do you call it, uh, valve there. It's a, uh, yeah, super bottle. Yeah, I want him closer. Yeah. <laughs> we love you, Sandy. Oh God. Yeah. What do you think, Jordan? Do you think? Uh, do you agree with Sandy? Do you do you want to offer any rebuttals? I'm not going to offer a rebuttal. I'm just going to give a different perspective on it, Even which better. is that Tesla is growing faster than the raw material supply chain is growing. So, some point that's going to hit ahead. And Tesla has um, been exploring the material supply chain longer than anybody else. And they have the deepest pockets to buy these companies up. So what happens when there's a scramble for raw materials and Tesla, you know, they have the deepest pockets, they have the raw materials. It comes down to, does Tesla want to share? <laughs> Rather than, so uh, you, you won't be able to buy the battery cells you need at any price. So... It's all about the battery supply, and uh, although cost is important, it's becoming less important because it's, what's more important is to actually be able to get the batteries you need in your vehicles. So one of the things that, that Tesla did that's so brilliant, I can't believe it. So we have a, we have a customer um, that, uh, that does mining, um, and that customer is located in Brazil. And that customer was uh, approached by Elon Musk, I'm told, personally, to try and lock in a price on nickel, and this company owns the biggest nickel mine in North America, which is in Sudbury, Ontario. And they, yeah, I knew it, I knew it, they're all Canadians over here. We found Anyways, the Canadians. <laughs> anyway, at the end of the day, that is gonna be the limiting factor for everything. We're gonna get rid of cobalt. I, can, I don't want children in little rat holes mining something that kills you. So I, uh, I'm really happy about the cobalt going, but that means more nickel. And nickel is right here in North America. We do not have to import that. Uh, so I, I'm, I'm pretty happy about that. And that's the cleanest nickel as well. Like you just yeah. saw that VW signed a contract in Indonesia, and a lot of that nickel won't be as clean. And maybe the Tesla just left that on the table and said, hey, we'll source nickel that's cleaner and yeah. And Ind Indonesia, for those of you who don't know, is basically a whole bunch of islands, and those islands uh, have porous rock. So every once in a while, guess what happens? A lot of people at the bottom of the mine don't make it back up. They'll hit a, they'll hit a fair, and they'll basically um, introduce the ocean water, and they all die, and they just quietly dig a new hole. So I'm very glad that we're, uh, we're going to be able to at least get nickel. And by the way, there is a ton of lithium in the United States that we don't utilize. Instead, we buy it from somewhere else. That's got to stop as well. We have to start saying, okay, 
there's going to be a few lizards that are going to die here. Uh, that's the way it's going to have to go. So. No, we already got a president, and I'm not allowed to talk about him. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, and the Defense Production Act that they just signed, that's, you know, it offers funding so people can look into building mines, etc. But it doesn't actually accelerate the permitting, which is what we need. And it's, it's, it's strange that uh, a lot of the people who are pushing... Uh, against these mine the hardest are looking to, you know, save the environment or look after the ecosystem, but the effects of climate change, et cetera, are far, far greater. So if you're gonna lose a lizard in the process, yeah, that's disappointing, but uh, what about all the lizards in the world? So. Exactly right, exactly right. that couldn't be better said. Excellent. So is it, is it fair to say, so out of, out of all the things that Tesla has figured out how to solve, out of all the innovations that they built, is figuring out how to ethically mine raw materials yet another thing that we're going to add to the list of, that Tesla has, able, has been able to solve in the future? Is this like part of that discussion as well? And will that get recognized if that's the case? Because that seems like a huge deal. You know, I think about all the batteries in everyone's pocket. Is Tesla going to be the company that's going to figure out how to solve this problem as well? Okay, so the name of the company that owns is Valet. That's the one that owns the, uh, the company uh, in Sudbury. Okay, and uh, they've already sent a mandate, mandate to Valet. They have to do something about <laughs> what little pollution does come out when you're trying to evacuate the Like you have to suck uh, air into the mine so guys can breathe and you, and you blow out uh, particulate in water, basically. And they want, Tesla wants that cleaner. So they're right now working on um, uh, filtration systems over and above what they have, and they are the cleanest in the world, and they're still going higher than that. So that's Tesla driving, driving uh, the ecology. That's awesome. Um, closing, closing. Uh, should we do a quick Q and A? What do you think? Are you guys comfortable with Q and A, real quick? Like, all right, we go, I only got a couple of minutes, so uh, let's uh, let's hear a question. No, nickel's nickel. It, uh, it's, so okay. it's just an element. The question is, how much nickel is building the Cybertruck going to take away from building the batteries? Or are they not correlated? They're, 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 no, they're the same grade. Um, you use raw nickel to make stainless steel. It's one of the ingredients. Um, but I don't think it's going to be enough to, uh, to, to really uh, impact. I mean... If you get into the mines in Sudbury, uh, it'll, uh, you just can't hardly believe. 11 million square feet kind of pales in comparison to what happens when you get down inside of one of these mines and looks around. I mean, you can't see to the end of the shaft. You can't see to the end of the bulkhead rooms that you're in. It's just, it's mammoth. And there's huge amounts down there. It just costs a lot of money to pull it out and bring it up to the surface. So. I don't think we're going to run out of nickel anytime soon. There's no no problem there. Okay. Uh, one more. Sorry, guys. Let's go over here on the left. Is there a role for all the suppliers that provide materials to Detroit? 
Well, here's the deal. Um, Monroe is working with a lot of different suppliers to try and figure out how they're gonna get out of where they are and uh, where they need to be. Um, there's more suppliers that see that there's uh, a need to change their mind and move on to new things than there is OEMs. They, uh, the, the people in the supply community are a lot more agile um, and they see themselves as like rats in a corner. There's no way in the world they wanna go out of business so they're trying to find, figure out what the OEMs are going to need uh, in the future. And, uh, and believe me, they're definitely uh, scrambling to try and find new things to do that they can use their existing equipment for or what do we have to do to reinvest in order to get to the next generation of product. Okay. Quick question for Jordan up here, real quick. Yes. What, what do you think history will eventually, or eventually change to show that it was a climate I, I think the, the point that you're making is that Tesla is basically giving us the machinery we need to transition to a sustainable future, which is, you know, basically their mission statement. And I agree that we have all the tools that are disposable now to solve this problem. It's just a matter of time and getting out of the way and just letting them do the work. So I think that uh, what you're going to find is that. Um, Elon Musk will go down in history kind of like uh, Thomas Edison and any of the other greats that came out of this country. All right, it looks like we're a couple minutes over. I'm gonna ask one last question. Is Tesla the greatest American, compa the greatest American company that exists today? Yes. Beyond a doubt, yeah. All right, thank you guys very much. Thank you, Sandy. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you all very much. Thank you all. Thank you.